In the name of the Father and the Son and God's Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You know, sometimes I, I think that we forget what a countercultural uh, experience church can really be. Because it is odd for 21st century people to actually believe that we have something to learn from our elders. A techno-dominated society doesn't normally treat its parents very well. There was a time, not so long ago, where um, finding your place in society always came from learning from your elders. Apprenticeships were the norm. But today, where in many households an elementary age student knows more about the computer than their parents, and where on many a sitcom, parents are portrayed as being sort of bumbling idiots who need to be saved by their children, today, you may have to actually explain to your children why they should be nice to their grandparents, let alone that they might actually learn something from them. Never before have we believed more in the self-made, self-actualized individuals. And yet, despite it all, nothing negates your belly button. Nothing. One of the most ontologically revealing aspects of you. Your navel reveals to you that you are a creature. You are not the creator. You are a creation of your mother and father. And therefore, your life is their gift, not just your achievement. We are, in the language of the Bible, begotten. Somebody had to change your diapers. Perhaps the first hint to you of what grace might be really like. You are, I am, we are begotten. We are not self-made. And no wonder, therefore, that some adolescents wind up despising their parents. Because parents are a reminder to the adolescent in all of us, and sometimes an embarrassing reminder, that I am not quite as much my own person as I would like to pretend. That I was created, that I was molded, and not just physically. Will Willimon, one of my favorite Methodists, I try to quite Methodist as, many, as much as I can these days for all of our former Methodists. Will Willimon, for many years, was the chaplain at Duke University. And one night, one evening, there was a break-in at the chapel there. Well, not really a break-in. Somebody left the door unlocked. And so a few students came in, and they pranced around, and they climbed up into the beautiful pipe organ, and somebody stepped on the wrong thing, and they broke it, and it set off the alarm. And so all of the security people came, and they apprehended those students. The next morning, this huge person winds up in Will's office, unshaven, sort of looking like he hadn't slept much the night before. He said to Will, I'm here to apologize for what happened last night. Really, Will said. He said, yes, I'm sorry. I only hope that you can forgive me for what happened, and I am willing to pay for the restoration of anything that we broke. We didn't intend to break anything. 
We just wanted to look around, and I'm really sorry. Well, I certainly accept your apology, Will said. That's wonderful. It's rare here to get people to actually own up to their own responsibility and apologize for anything. Well, I wouldn't have done it on my own, he said. Uh, my mother just, my mother talked terribly to me this morning. I mean, she said to me things a mother ought never to say to anybody. Well, what did she say, Will asked. He said, well, she said to me, she said, we're Jewish. You're no better than the Nazis. They broke into religious buildings. They defaced places of worship. I'm ashamed of you. She said, you go over to that church and you get down on your knees and, and you ask that reverend to forgive you. And I tell you, I'm sorry I ever went into labor for the likes of you. <laughs> and Will said, you know, I think I would like your mother. <laughs> The truth is we never get over our parents, which means that you and I, we never grow up enough to stop being somebody's child. It's as if we were not created to stand alone and autonomous. Rather, we need one another. Nurtured in somebody's womb, the most dependent of all the animals at birth, the least adept at tending to ourselves, it's just as if we were not built for independence and liberation and self-sufficiency and all the other great modern foolish fantasies. Life is a gift, not a possession, not a right. Each of us is stuck with our parents. Your belly button is undeniable and irreversible, whether it's an innie or an outie really meaning that that's the way it is. <laughs> and I want you to notice, especially this morning, that when you're reading the Ten Commandments, this honor your father and mother, it comes only after three other commandments that teach us to worship and to honor God, which is a way of saying that we are first children of God and then of our parents. In fact, you could think of the whole Bible, if you wanted to, as just an extended instruction on how to dare to be somebody else's child. Honoring father and mother is a way of worshiping God. Family and parenting is one of the most important ways that we learn who God is and who God intended us to be. Example, Jesus tells us to forgive our enemies. And almost as hard, for some of us at least, is to forgive our parents. Many of us, many of us parents pray that our children will not hold our parental ineptitude against us. And in return for us not blaming them for not being the sort of children that we thought we deserved. So Martin Luther, the great reformer, spoke of family as God's school in how to be a Christian. Because it is in the family that most of us learned how to give forgiveness and how to ask for forgiveness. As a pastor over the years, I have come to realize that not only some of the best, but some of the worst things that happen to us happen in our families. You know, for millions of women and children, 
The family is a dangerous place. In recent enthusiasm for what we have labeled family values, we may tend to forget that. In fact, you wonder if in our culture we are not in danger of making the family into a kind of idol. On the other hand, it probably needs to be said that in this culture, any acknowledgement of dependency, that is a life constrained by attachments to other people, dependence is regarded as detrimental to our ideal of the self-made, independent, no-strings-attached living. We live in a society that is allergic to commitment, whether it is to another person or to an institution. We always want to keep our options open. And there are those in the political arena who have figured this out and who realize that in a capitalist democracy, um, people, frankly, are more easily managed, dare I say, manipulated. If you can just keep them thinking primarily as individuals who have no responsibility to a neighborhood or a family or really anyone but themselves. And yet, in his best-selling classic, Habits of the Heart, Robert Bella reminds us that our country was founded not just on this rugged individualism and the honoring of individual rights that you hear so much about today, but also on a strong commitment to community and to the common good. And for many of us, home and family are the first place, sort of the front line, where we confront that all-powerful me, myself, and I. And we are reminded that we are intended for something bigger, something larger. So the fourth commandment comes in the context of the first three. One of the primary ways that God calls us to be who we were intended to be. Although there are admittedly very few examples of happy families in the Bible. Because the Bible is one of the largest collections of dysfunctional families that you will ever come across. Still, Jesus at key points uses parents and children as ways of illustrating some of the most remarkable teachings about God. They came to Jesus one day in the Gospel of Luke and they said to him, what, what is God like? And Jesus said, well, there was a father who had two sons. And one of them, the younger son, said to the father, Dad, Dad drop dead. Sort of what he said to him. Put the will into effect now. I'm out of here. And for reasons only known to God, the father didn't kill him and actually gave him the money. And the son went on and he spent all of that money on frivolous living, spring break in Cancun and the like. Still, there was another older son who was always good and obeyed his father, and he did very well. He scored high on the SATs. He actually completed college in four years, and he was resentful. But the father loved both boys, equally but differently. 
That's what the story says. Family, parenting, God's way of teaching us. Another thing along these lines, the fourth commandment, remember, is not addressed to little children. It is addressed to adult children, which is all of us eventually. Honor your father and mother names us as dependent creatures, not just when we are young, but always. Not just when mom and dad are footing the bill, but when we are expected to pay the bills for the old man. How I wish my daughters were here to hear this today. <laughs> As our parents age, a wonderful reversal of roles takes place. Adult children are given the opportunity to honor father and mother by ordering their lives and their resources on behalf of their aging parents. Now, most people I know, when asked what they most fear about old age, they don't say death. They say, you know what they say. They say dependency. I don't want to depend on anyone. I wouldn't want to be a burden on my children. Well, get over it. You are already a burden. <laughs> and you will be a burden. The options are not good here. Lives that began as infants in such utter dependency usually end up there as well. We who got care from our parents now, by God, are given the opportunity to give care to them. We who had our diapers changed by our parents, without, I might add, even a shred of gratitude at the time, we get to give thanks by caring for them. Family and parenting, God's way of reminding us who we are and whose. The fourth commandment reminds parents that children are a gift from God. They are not our projects, nor are they our possessions. In fact, children are perhaps the major way that God trusts us with what ultimately belongs to God. So Thomas Aquinas says that we ought to honor our parents because if it were not for our parents and their little speeches, most of us would never even know that we are sinful and we need improving. And it was from our parents that many of us at least got the first inkling of what it is to be loved unconditionally and sacrificed for, and therefore our first inclination of what it is like to be loved by God. And from our children, parents learn how gratifying it can be to have your life enmeshed in a web of responsibility for someone other than yourself. Children teach us, I think more than anywhere else, that in giving we really receive. In expending myself for someone other than myself, I may actually become a better person. Children are not given to parents primarily for our pleasure or delight, although even a mid-high can from time to time be pleasant and delightful. <laughs> Children are given to us 
like everything else in life, as a way of coming closer to God. In fulfilling God's commandment, be fruitful and multiply, which for my money is one of the most enjoyable commands God ever gave us, we actually become better people. You look back on your life as a parent and you find that you have actually ordered your life in ways that are more faithful. And you would not have had it not been for this little one by your side. I know some adults who, had it not been for the responsibility of raising a child, would have been much less interesting. Not to mention the fact that they would never have darkened the door of a church again, save for an occasional wedding, were it not for this little son or daughter. Isaiah was right. A little child shall lead them. The night before he was killed, Jesus said to his disciples, greater love has no one than this, that a person lay down his life for his friends. Surely he was talking about what he was about to do. But I wonder sometimes if he wasn't also talking about us. Now, short of war or some extraordinary deed in an emergency situation, not many of us are really required to make an ultimate sacrifice of giving our lives for someone. For us, it may not be one moment of Joan of Arc heroism that is called for, some fireman's carry that takes a person out of a burning building. For most of us, it may be more the day-to-day, lifelong call to self Giving. And I think very possibly the closest many of us get to that is parenting, being a mother or a father. Most of the time when I go over to Beaumont, I go through the main entrance or the north entrance. But sometimes I'm on my way to see one of you when you're getting your hip replaced or your knee replaced. And I go through the south entrance, which is wonderful, not only because it's the newest section and the cafeteria is there, but also because that is often the place that new moms and their precious cargo get picked up on the way home for the first time. And sometimes I just stand and I watch them um, with a a, a note of joy in my eye as this this new mom um, gingerly gets up out of the wheelchair and she hands that precious cargo to this dad who has not the faintest idea how to hold him or her. He is so new to this role. And as I get older, they look more and more young. They look younger and younger. Mom and dad with these eyes that look like a deer in the headlights um, with no idea what hit them and how could they? Who knows what it will be like for those parents? Will their child be well? or not? Will she be colicky? Will she be feisty? Will she be rebellious? How terrible will the twos be? Will she be bouncing off the wall at seven and in need of Ritalin? Or will she be so calm that they worry that she has some kind of vitamin deficiency? Who knows? Will she pierce her nose or her belly button? Will she go to the prom? Will it be with Prince Charming or Princess Leia? But it occurs to me that both of these young adults know now 
more than ever what it is like to be lost in someone else, to be totally and completely responsible for another human being who is totally and utterly in need of their help. They thought their wedding day was that moment, but it was not. It was only the prelude to plumbing the depths of losing yourself for the sake of another. This child is one for whom they will now begin to lose their life. This is where they will lose their life and in losing it, hopefully, will find it. And if they can manage a deeper look, they will also find God. Amen.